0: Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Edward Bergen, global food and drink analyst, all round foodie, and I am a a massive hummus fanatic. I have the delight um, to introduce you guys to Emma. Uh, who's a research analyst in the US, and Kate, who's a global food and drink analyst in the UK. Guys, a little bit more detail about yourselves. Emma.
1: Yeah, uh, I am on the Mintel scout team, so I specifically study uh, food and drink startups.
0: Awesome. And Kate?
1: Hi, guys.
2: So um, I'm in Mintel as a global food and drink analyst Um, and used to work on various brands and um, I studied linguistics.
0: Mm, which might come in handy for today's topic (laughs) um this is actually a topic that emma um came up with that um i think it's absolutely fascinating and and then kate jumped for joy when she heard that we were going to talk about this one Um, i'm not even going to go into too much detail we're going to be talking about the language of food how words and um definitions of particular foods, how a product is, is, is uh, um, talked about on pack, um, how much of an impact this can make on the consumer, on sales, sometimes on uh, legislation um, and the legality of the, the food and drink products that we are allowed to buy. That's as much as I'm going to say. Emma, can you just give us a bit more of a rundown on why the language of food
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so, because I work with food and drink startups in particular, I see a lot of uh, really interesting innovation, uh, particularly in the plant based and uh, free from options. Um, But all of that that world is dealing with what to call themselves right now um, and trying to be uh, regulatorily (laughs) responsible, um, but also make sure that the names are something that people would want to eat. So like an example from a long time ago and a different world (laughs) is that uh, avocados used to be called alligator pears. Um, And they weren't selling at all because they were called alligator pears, which is a silly name. (laughs) And then the avocado people got together and decided to rebrand and call themselves avocados. And now they sell very, very well.
0: I feel like this is something we're gonna to have to wikipedia and go to, <laughs> unless you know exactly why they went for the avo um uh, it's, it, it, I love it, so it's just the simplicity of a name change for something to effectively become the product of twenty sixteen um that took the world by storm um as being the millennial product um through a simple change like that
1: yeah absolutely and it's it's something it's something that um Uh, Like I said, we're seeing it in plant-based and like lab-grown meats. Um, No one wants to buy something called a lab-grown meat, but... When it comes down to it, that is one of the alternatives that vegans in particular are looking for. Um, so figuring out what to call it so that it's accurate and it's safe, but also that consumers will actually want to buy it, um, has been a, an interesting challenge and one that startups in particular can't afford to get wrong because they don't—they they don't have the yeah, extra the funds. The whole <laughs>
0: business is based on that immediate response, just from seeing their pack without that advertising, without that marketing to help the consumer. It's all about that first message. So it makes absolute sense. Kate, do you have any bills? Do you have anything that why you chose to join us for this one?
2: Yeah, so I just, um I think language is... So fascinating. And in food, you know, it's something we obviously all consume every day that goes without saying. Um, language is something we often don't necessarily think about too much, but the impact that language can have on the foods we, we choose to eat and the foods we choose to incorporate into our routines and our diets, as Emma was just saying, um, can be really impactful. And I just think that's really fascinating.
0: It's amazing. I think one thing we wanted to do on this pod when we were having a chat about it beforehand is sometimes it's the simplicity of naming something correctly, but sometimes we're going to get into um, some of those legal issues. Now, what we thought we'd do, though, the best way to tackle this one is to effectively work through some really great case studies. Um, and think about, you know, when brands have, have, have used certain types of language in the past, um, when it hasn't worked and when it has worked and why they've needed to do it. And then maybe at the end, we'll maybe think about some of those recommendations on if you are a budding startup and you're listening to our podcast. And hopefully you are, because that's really exciting um, that you'll get a little bit of advice from us um, and maybe some recommendations. But um, have you got some, some case studies you've seen um, over the past few years that, that really make this topic great for you?
1: Yeah, my favorite one is actually very, very recent. Um, there's a, a brand called Perfect Day. Um, and they technically did have an ice cream launch, but it was just one day and then they sold out right away. Uh, but what they're doing is they're, they're making uh, flora-based dairy protein is what they're trying to get people to call it. Um, But it's protein that is made without uh, like a dairy protein that's made without animals at all. Um, And so, so trying to convince consumers to eat this and to understand like wrap their heads around what it is has been I can only imagine a huge challenge for them. Um, Especially since in grocery stores, uh, things like this are still labeled as non animal whey protein, which isn't nearly as fun or. (laughs) I just wanted to say, I think that's a really interesting example. And, you know, when you say,
2: what did you say, non animal whey protein? Protein, Yeah, (laughs) it's really not very enticing for a consumer, is it? Um, Mm -mm. I was thinking about this one um, before, and um, I think corn have actually done a really nice job here. So if you think, corn a really long established meat substitute what they've essentially done is given a brand name to that substitute Um, and i guess that's that's kind of what perfect day are looking to do in a sense they're trying to really um re 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 rebrand and rename that particular type of protein
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: What have um, they made so far? So Perfect Day, said said it was it ice cream or what, are there anything else? Yeah, it, um... so,
1: so their only thing that they have specifically sold is ice cream. Um, right now, it seems like they're trying to partner up with other uh, food and drink companies that are trying to be vegan um, mm. or non-animal um, and and sell the proteins themselves to these companies. And I think one thing that Perfect Day has done pretty a pretty good job of. Um, if you go on their website, they, they explain um, the process of making the flora-based dairy protein. Um, so they really walk the consumer why through why it's called exactly what it is. And you come out the other end thinking, yeah, that's obvious, the only obvious name for that. Of course, that's what it should be called, which is kind of what you want to get the consumer to. But the education thing is maybe taking longer than it should to be really um, uh effective and 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 make them the money that they need to make right away uh, which is why it's important that they're partnering up with other companies
0: so there's no dairy whatsoever in this product
1: so it is a, it is a dairy protein but it's a dairy protein made with no cows so think of it as dairy with just just no animals are used
0: what what is it then this is this it, is why it's so interesting. Right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it, and it's because it's brand new, right? So the potential mm. for what uh, we could perceive it as could it could change on a dime. Um, but it's it's the use. Uh, okay. Now I am not from Perfect Day, so I hope that I am no, 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 no. saying the right what, thing here. It is used. Um, they they like get get the dairy proteins and they use um, like flora, some sort of. <laughs> Flower situation. Okay, I'm going to help cultivate you. it. I'm Thank doing something fun
0: here. No, no, no. This is a good. I've just Googled them because that's what ah, we do on yes. a podcast live. And they said <laughs> one, dairy flora. First, we took milk's essential genes and added them to microflora, a tiny organism that comes from nature and can produce large amounts of pure protein. So they're effectively they're using, I guess, the uses, use of science, taking from one. species and then putting mixing it with something else to create something brand new and i'm i'm not a scientist so this is great (laughs) fun for me and then they say they use fermentation um in the process too um and then they can pop it into all the things um that we love which is what they write here cheese yogurt and ice cream is what they're mentioning here so it is a company it it is that that does sound a little bit like how corn talk about their creation of their protein they give us that detail but um Interesting that they actually use the term dairy. They use the term milk, and when you look at the products that they've got available, they're uh, they're they're saying they're saying dairy made perfect as a slogan on pack. Which now, Kate, from a language point of view, does that sound to you like it's misleading mm-hmm. when it is? Is it dairy?
2: I think it's a really good question, and as we've just seen, uh, as we've just heard between us, it's a really difficult one to define, and I think <laughs> really difficult for um, you know consumers to understand what that is, how it's dairy if it doesn't include cow or, or animal products in. So, yeah, from my point of view, I would say that 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 could potentially be, be misleading. I think there needs to be a lot of education around. That kind of information that's going into the consumer domain because consumers are savvy, right? They and they want to know what they're eating. I think, especially now in the uh, environment that we're, that we're
1: living in, people are
2: so much more aware of what they're eating. Have you got any I think other? It's in- interesting.
1: Oh, sorry. Just that, that, yeah, consumers are savvy and they want to know what they're eating, but I think because language is so, um, uh, Uh, like nebulous. It's, it's tough for companies to understand like, okay, if I say something here, like if, if between us, even if I, if I say something here, it might not mean the same thing in England. I mean, what I wear jeans, when I wear jeans and I call them pants, sorry for (laughs) (laughs) scandalous. (laughs) They, they, they can limit themselves to a certain region if they don't aren't forward-thinking in that regard and understand all the different ways something can be interpreted.
0: Yeah. So you're talking about that change of region. Have you got any for um, either of you uh, that, um, because it, something's been launched in, in, the, in the US or it's been launched in Europe where they've had to change to move it around the world for various reasons
2: I think so I um, I've got a really interesting example which is to do with Diet Coke so um, you know in the UK and, and the US we call it Diet Coke it's just a lighter form of Coca-Cola um, but it's actually called Coke Light in Germany and that's down to legislation around the use of the word diet, um, I actually spoke to some of our German colleagues here in the Mintel office, and they were explaining that you know, in in English, the word diet talks about both the the you know a diet, as in going on a, a diet to lose weight or to manage specific uh, medical issue, and um, but it's also used as your you know your kind of profile of eating, you know your everyday diet, and um, in Germany, it's only used for the medicinal kind of, um, side of, the, side of that word. So for that reason, it's called Coke Light, not Diet Coke, because it's clearly not an actual medicinal product.
0: It's funny because we can immediately argue with the word light by saying that it's not light because it actually hasn't got any calories in at all. And immediately you can be like, well, it's not a lighter version. It is a zero version. And therefore they may Coke Zero as well. But it's funny how <laughs> it, it makes this one again. It's like a confusing um, way to look at that brand because of that change in, in, in well, got local culture and, and sort of legislation around what you're allowed to say
2: yeah and it is it is really interesting the, the, I think the the great thing with coke is that it's it 's such a ubiquitous brand worldwide the mm. and the branding itself the graphics are so striking that it, you would be hard pressed to be confused by that i think um, these kind of products that we 've just been talking about where you know it's startups with new launches new kinds of ingredients that consumers aren 't so familiar with I think that 's where we're going to see issues. So um, an example might be there's a product in the States called Country Crock Plant Butter. Um, Now in the uk if that were brought over we wouldn't be able to call that plant butter because it doesn't actually have any butter in so you'd have to be thinking about what to call that product so as not to confuse consumers
0: this is why we had a debate a week or two ago about whether or not peanut butter (laughs) is allowed to be called peanut butter
1: exactly uh, it it just (laughs) got in because it's been around for so long it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) they're allowed um i love that uh, this is why we you were asking about this one in the office um
2: but interestingly just on that point i actually read this morning about watermelon seed butter and pumpkin seed butter so clearly when you're outside of the the kind of chilled dairy category it's that that uh, premise has still um continued that it's okay to call a product butter when it's i guess in a, a paste format
1: I wonder if where it lives in the grocery store matters when when the industry is thinking about that and like regulators are thinking about that. Yeah, not I next, think each other. So. There's no way to get confused. <laughs> I <guess. laughs>
2: yeah, I think that probably <laughs> matters.
0: <laughs> Talking about this, but I remember a really good example, and I, I hope I get this, this one right. I think it was Flora, and then they have Flora Proactive. It was the margarine brand that we have Um over in the uk and i think also in europe too and i remember that it used to be uh, many years ago it was flora it was margarine and then they, they had that i remember there was the attack on margarine back in 2015 it's full of saturates and it's not as good for you as butter um so what they did then they reacted to that the, the fact that dairy free came in in a big way they changed the packaging i think it was from like a, a greenish yellowish color to a white and then had dairy free on the front of pack dairy free spread as their main call out. And then again, they changed only a couple of years later. They also reformulated and then they had it back in green, but they call it uh, plant power and all to do with just that change of language, but essentially virtually the same product, the same occasion, the same use.
1: And it's it's what it's how people uh, view health. That's something I'm noticing with, with a lot of startups too. Uh, the number one way to indicate that you're healthy is a healthy product is to say you're plant based. Maybe not number one, but it's so popular. Like yeah. Brands know that if they have that slapped on their label, then consumers who aren't even vegan or trying to be vegetarian will tr- go towards that whenever they're trying to be healthy. Uh, which actually, uh, Lava, another another case study that I was thinking about, mm. um, uh, it did something similar where they, they changed their, it's a, it's a yogurt, a vegan yogurt company, and they changed their packaging so that it said fewer things on pack um so they they used to mention um whole food plant-based dairy-free uh live culture um no sugar added and now they've Trimmed that down to plant-based dairy-free, no sugar, and they they don't talk about the peely nut anymore, which is what it's based off of, because no one knows what the peely nut.
0: Is. <laughs> there's, no point, there's no point mentioning it. Stick it in an no. ingredients list. It doesn't matter.
1: No, it's great that they're using it. That's fantastic. But they they the rebrand to not use it is smart because we don't need consumers. Don't like to be confused about what something is
0: before they buy <laughs> it. It reminds me of going back to the avocado, a really funny launch a few years ago, where um you know there's all this attack on claims about health and and there was some potato chip brands that basically just wrote avocado oil and in very small writing underneath potato chips. And um, <laughs> just using that, the term avocado oil, because it's so trendy as the headline when actually it is essentially a fried potato product. Um, but they're, they're giving an aura of health by just calling out the ingredients. I'm sure you can do the same with many other vegetables and fruits just by writing it on the pack in a big writing. You can get people get very excited because they think it's a, uh, you know, they remember they use the word superfood for many years in a big way, um, whether it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it was healthy or not. It was the use of the word was a, a call to arms for the consumer.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, it's it's less about what the the product is, um, and more what what that means to the consumer. Um, which plant based? I mean, what we're seeing with the the plant based burgers that have all just recently launched is is the conversation is starting now about how okay, so if it's plant based, does that mean these burgers are healthy? Because I don't know that that means those burgers are healthy. And consumers are kind of contradictory about it too. I think in um, our one of our plant-based or, or plant protein reports um, talks about how the, people believe that uh, processed foods are... Um, uh, less healthy, but they also want more plant-based things. And they don't really, they're not sure like which is which. And when uh, a plant-based food is really processed, does that mean it's still healthy? Like there's no consensus on that right now.
2: The topic of processed food is a really difficult one for consumers to get their head around as they uh, want to be eating healthily, but it it is difficult to know what's right. Um, I think equally, uh, plant-based burgers for example if they are processed and they're not super super healthy that's that's okay you know people <laughs> you yes. go to Burger King for a treat they go for comfort food um you know there's there's a kind of trend about dirty vegan food <laughs> you know there's <laughs> lots of uh, diners for example offering what might be called dirty vegan food and that's the idea that just because it's plant-based it doesn't have to be satisfying and comforting so um i think it's i think it's okay if it's not
0: 100. as long as they communicate it as long as they say because that's where the big challenge here that plant-based often is used as a as a term to say we're healthy look at me, we're plant based and um, I think that's a big challenge here, the use of that language effectively means healthy to consumers so it's a tightrope
1: Yeah, absolutely, I I just um, read an article recently about uh, the FDA is thinking about um, redefining what healthy means or or getting a definition for it, it hasn't been looked at in many 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 years Um, but I think it's an impossible task (laughs) Like, like you you can define plant-based and you can define all these more specific things, but you look at healthy and it's so unique to each individual and people are so, they, Mm. people don't have the education necessarily that they need. Like we're lucky in that we're in the food world. So I can look at a plant-based thing and be a little bit more skeptical of it. But I think when you're not surrounded in it, when you're not, Uh, entrenched in studying food and drink startups uh, it's not as obvious that these things don't mean healthy and it's not as obvious what healthy means.
0: I love the fact that plant-based was even coined you know in the last few years because (laughs) originally it was the fact that it was the vegan trend um, and it was all about vegans and the media were talking about the vegans the vegans the vegans and the vegans are just enjoying the ride because actually (laughs) there's not a huge amount more vegans out there um we just ran a piece of research um in in the uk and we're getting into like 40 percent of consumers plus um saying that it's about they're already actively reducing their meat consumption and that's that's why it's it's not about the you know this trend isn't about vegans it's about the consumers balancing out what they were already uh, their, their diets and what they're already eating. Um, they're not cutting things out altogether, and and that's why it's so interesting. Just the change in from vegan, which could be seen as a stigma word, or a gr- you know one small group. Actually, anybody can have plants, right? And I think that's been really interesting change of language that's being used
2: and i guess that's um that kind of change in consumer behavior it's why there's so many vegan products that um you know kind of adapt existing meat products um, using kind of a vegan name maybe sometimes even a bit of a pun and we were speaking about this before i think emma weren't we and debating whether whether those kind of puns and gimmicky names are actually suitable for a for making this a long term uh, long term kind of alternative so um, I've seen examples like a a plant based chicken nugget line called incognito which is, which is great <laughs> that's,
0: that's brilliant
2: mean? <laughs> I mean I love it it's <laughs> really funny um and you've got you know vegana tony for vegan panettone so you know these are these are really great examples of products that are tailoring tailoring their ranges to um work for flexitarians but do you guys think that they will actually win in the end with those kind of names? Uh,
1: <sighs> I, I, You've got so to make an
0: impact. <laughs> I, I guess you're the, you're the um, startup specialist here, but I just think sometimes you have to make that impact to the consumer and you have to make them smile for them to pick it up in the first place. I don't know, do you, you, you can absolutely disagree with me. Um, what do you think? <laughs>
1: I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I think, I think making the the consumer smile should always be a goal. I love that. (laughs) Um, uh, And I think, I think that is truly the way forward for, Um, reaching more people and and bringing more people into plant-based diets, I think in the long run, like in the short term, I think it's going to be really effective. In the long run, I think they're going to run into a lot of legislation about whether they're allowed to be called that and whether they're tricking the consumer Um, there was a podcast I was listening to the other day that talked about this woman who owned a restaurant that was very clearly a vegan restaurant. Like it was all over their sign that it was a vegan restaurant. And then they got, uh, um, Caught up in some legal issues because their menu didn't state that things were vegan with each dish, but it's a vegan restaurant, so should they have to state that things are vegan yeah. with each dish? Because there's a com- like there comes
0: a time where e- if they say on the product everything is, and it just should be simple. But
1: yes, but I, it's I, I think it's going to be it's going to it's going to come down to whether the dairy industry and the meat industry is like where are they going to bend and where are they going to finally say you know what this isn't a fight worth fighting um, and now I'm going to stop and I'm going to start offering alternatives as well because it's clearly a good business opportunity.
0: I I remember, that I think it's in France, that they've actually banned the use of the word sausage or burger. Is it burger burger and sausage to be allowed to be used for anything other than meat? Because they say it is misleading. Um, And like, when is a sausage a sausage? Is a sausage something that has to have meat in it? Probably originally, but actually for the consumer, is it... Uh, is a sausage that uh, in that I don't even describe it on a plate the cylinder of stuffed inside some skin. I don't want you, what would you even dis- I don't really want to use the term on a podcast because it could be quite rude, and this is a business podcast. Um, <laughs> but you guys listening out there know what I mean. But that is a sausage to the consumer. It doesn't matter what it's stuffed with. So. It's that question of, is there a, you know, are we getting to a future now where things can be redefined? Can you have a rib made out of seitan, um, which is a, you know, plant based, uh, wheat based protein? You know, can we do that and still call it a rib?
2: I was thinking whilst you were talking out about the the burgers and sausages debate in my mind that really comes down to more of shape because we all know that burgers and sausages are uh, sausages in particular and maybe made up of lots of different things um so in my mind that's much more to do with with shape and you know there's been veggie burgers around for years um like which were basically a round patty whether made of beans or vegetables or whatever that would just be an alternative so um rib is a really interesting example because yeah absolutely it's part of an animal so i suppose would you then use it to uh, talk about a vegan or vegetarian product um when it has that that shape, at least, and then maybe you're you're talking about your consumption occasion is dictated by the shape of the product.
1: Yeah, I, it, and it's extra interesting when uh, regulators finally step into that conversation because so from for, as far as I know, sausage and someone can check my etymology on this. I no longer have a subscription to OED. I may be wrong, but I believe that sausage started out just meaning salted. So it didn't necessarily have to be Ah. meat. It didn't necessarily. It just meant salted and then it slowly morphed because so many people called salted meat sausage uh, that it slowly morphed into being what it is. I don't know that um, that evolution of language is quite as easy to see happen anymore just because things are recorded and, and regulators step in. Um, but DiGiorno, I think this was 2010, I'm not sure, it was a ways back, um, had wings spelt with a Z to get oh. around some of the ingredients that they had or did <laughs> not have. Uh, and regulators did step in and they, <laughs> they said, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it because it made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> they said it's a fanciful term on poultry product labeling and they specified that it had to be white chicken and it can't actually contain any wing meat. And no other misspellings on the packages were allowed, and oh. I just—it's just like there's no consumer who's going to be walking through the store and think, "Ooh, I better I better Google what the regulator said about this Z at the end of wings here." <laughs> Which
0: Jeez, is just brilliant.
1: How did they come upon
2: that? I, it's because you've got examples of cheese as well where it's maybe spelt with a Z E at the end, or instead of double E in the middle, it might be E A, and again, that feels misleading in the same in the same vein
0: but for the consumer when we remember we're talking about one percent or like a small percent of the population that are actually vegan for the majority of consumers that's how they understand the world and if you can make a product just easier for them to buy than giving it a completely different name and therefore they may not pick it up because they don't understand it whose side are we on um it's really it was a really good debate um because you know, if you see uh, there's a vegan cheese available and it's called cheese, um, but it's you know full of great uh, nutrition, but it maybe it hasn't isn't full of fat, and also it obviously isn't uh, connected to animals in any shape or form. But the consumer knows what to do with it. Um, they 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 see it on shelf, they they understand it. Then if it's been given some other name, um, it it helps that sale. Um, so I, it's a it's a great debate. Um, I think it's going to be one where legislation and governments get involved, and they already are.
2: Yeah, quite rightly because you want to help consumers make informed choices. But I think you're you're absolutely right for the the many many people who aren't strict vegans, it it doesn't necessarily come down to having wrong information. It it's just about knowing what the product is and ultimately if that product is nutritious and uh, and you know can be used for the same occasions. Great.
0: So I think we're getting nearish to the end. Um, We ended up going from a start, which is talking about language and a few examples. Building into this, it's actually become quite an interesting look at um, a very current example, which is plant-based and vegan trend, because I guess that's where we're seeing this appearing the most. Um, But I wonder if each of you can maybe sign off our lovely pod with maybe something you expect to see in the future. Um, within this le- language of food, what should our listeners be looking out for when they go shopping? Um, I don't know, Emma. Do you want to do you want to g- give your final thoughts?
1: I'm so tempted to start with what I hope for rather than what I expect, <laughs> because what I hope for is that there's going to be some brand that comes up with an innovation that is too good to ignore, and they can name it something really awesome that's going to break the plant-based and free-from options out of the constrictions that they're in right now. Um that is what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking for. Um and and I think that will be a game changer. If if we can reach that point, um the the innovation in plant based will boom in a good, okay. really good way. That sounds negative, but it's a really, really,
0: really good way. <laughs> awesome. And Kate, your final sign off.
2: <laughs> well, I quite liked what Emma said, actually, uh, certainly in terms of, of hope for and I you know, I think there's there's so many products that are trying to emulate something else and therefore because of legislation can't put what they're trying to emulate on the packaging and um, and it ends up being a bit confusing for the consumer. So, um, you know, if you take vegan butter, for example, you know, in the UK here, as I said, we can't say butter. Um, but ultimately, you want to make it as easy as possible for the consumer to understand what they're buying. So, If legislation were able to take that into account Mm -hmm. and ultimately just make it about the consumer's understanding of what is the usage occasion that they can use that product for i think that would be fantastic
0: awesome and the thing i'm going to take away from this is when is a sausage really a sausage (laughs) um for you guys to sign off and go you're going to go and pick up the latest shroom dog uh, made out of mushrooms and pea protein because it still qualifies as a some sort of hot dog or a sausage who knows but um as long as the food tastes good that's okay with me um So we're going to sign off and uh, I'm going to say very first before we, before we do, I just want to say thank you to you guys. You have been awesome and I hope you'll get onto some more of our uh, little conversation podcasts in the future. Have you enjoyed
1: yourselves? so much I could talk about food language all day <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> it's been great
0: <laughs> um, so to our listeners thank you very much for listening um, seriously please subscribe please rate and review the pods um, this is we're coming towards the end of our first series of Mintel Little Conversations so it's really Yay. really exciting Um you can also get this um, you can get on Apple Podcasts and obviously you know, please subscribe and rate and review but also you can get it on many other um, podcast platforms so just look it up and, and you can find us um, if you want to know more about Mintel um, who we are what we do please head over to our website Mintel.com find us on all the social media platforms LinkedIn Instagram Twitter Facebook you can probably find these guys on social media as well depends if they want to be hounded about food language um, in their out of hours but I'm sure they will because they love it Um But otherwise, Uh, please catch us next week on Mintel's Little Conversation. Uh, Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you.